It's November 23rd, 1996, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Ariel, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. Tamagotchis were impossible to ignore when they were first released on this day in 1996. Literally impossible because they were designed to beep incessantly to alert their owners to their hunger and when they wanted to play. But also numerically impossible because of their massive popularity. In their first year, they sold 10 million units and in their first three years, 40 million units. The name comes from a portmanteau of two Japanese words, Tamago, meaning egg, and wachi, which comes from the English word watch and means the same thing. It's also a pun on the word tomodachi, which means friend. So it's kind of like an egg friend that you have to watch. Oh, watch like <laughs> that, not watch like wristwatch. Yes, it, do you know what? It actually means watch in both senses in Japanese as well. Spooky. I don't understand how that's come about. I suppose you look down at your watch in all cultures. Did they tell the yeah. time? They didn't tell the time, did they? No. Well, it was always time to look after your Tamagotchi. They would now, wouldn't they? Like if you had a, an LCD gadget that was yeah. on a keychain, like why not put a clock on it? Right. But back then, I presume yeah. that was an extra function. That was an extra cost. But the point was originally going to be wasn't it a wristwatch that you looked after as a pet which kind of Mm. makes more sense in a way because then it really is always with you so tamagotchi was invented by akihiro yokoi who initially proposed the concept of a virtual pet to bandai who had gone to make it however if you look it up online lots of sources will actually credit it to somebody else Mm. and there's a reason for that which is that bandai wanted to market it heavily to girls they thought this would be something kind of like an extension of you know dolls that you feed and you know that wet their nappies and stuff that girls would want this kind of nurturing toy so an employee of bandai in the marketing department a woman called Aki Maita, she was initially credited with coming up with the idea and she was sort of presented as the face of the project. Mm. The idea being that they would then market it to girls and, you know, a girl invented it. She worked very closely with Akihiro Yokoi and she is credited with coming up with lots of the defining features of the final model, but she didn't invent it. And apparently Aki didn't even get a promotion <laughs> for what was not only a multi-million dollar idea, you know, it made this company so, so rich, but it also put them on the map. I mean, Bandai were really nowhere until this toy and now it's a household name the the story about how he did invent it was that he was watching a story on TV one day about a kid who couldn't take his pet tortoise away with him on holiday and he was emotionally affected by this idea and thought well why can't we invent a pet that you can take away with you on holiday the secret to its success was that Japan was a country where increasing numbers of families lived in apartments where you literally couldn't keep pets and I do think sometimes the business about it being such a Japanese thing is slightly over egged like yes it's cutesy yes it had this to our eyes in the west weirdly Japanese name and Japanese features yes their love of robotics in Japanese culture is something that doesn't quite translate and maybe it wouldn't look this way if it had been invented by an American toy company but I do think whatever country in the world had this thing where loads of children were growing up in apartments probably ultimately would have created a toy a bit like this because it is a problem that this is the solution for isn't it you can't have a gerbil have a tamagotchi but strangely actually given its origins as having been inspired by pets what they managed to distill i think really well was the neediness of a pet you know that you need to constantly be checking in with it you need to make sure it's entertained and healthy and sleeps and eats enough without any of the fun you know I, I, and I think I, I don't know about you, you guys yeah. but when I finally got a Tamagotchi myself it was just this 
burden. It, it, it was burdensome. You, you had to check in with it. And, you, and I had imagined that it was going to be games that you could throw a stick and then it would go and get it. And then you could play maths games. Or, no, not even maths games. Any sort of game with it. And it would be sort of fun in some way. Fun maths games. <laughs> yeah, real, real insight into Arian's childhood psyche there. <laughs> oh, please, Daddy, get me something that will play a maths game. <laughs> the popularity is, is almost completely inexplicable. It is just the main emotions of the game are... Uh, you know the the stress, the anxiety, the sort of mindless, yeah. mundane tasks of like. Well, I was going to say having a pet, but like also like or kind of like having a baby as well, I guess. You know, just this sort of mindless repetition of the same tasks over and over. And in the Japanese model, this element of guilt and blame was incredibly amped up, where <laughs> the neglectful owner would be met by a ghost and a headstone mm. on the screen. Yes, which became in the US the character sort of spawning wings and going up to heaven, but you didn't literally see the tomb. Yeah, and also the the way that the animated little blippy Tamagotchi creature reacted to your inputs was peculiar. So much so that I had thought that one of the buttons was pat because the Tamagotchi reacts with a smile mm. when you, when your hand comes and touches it. Actually, it was the discipline button, which led to the death of my very first Tamagotchi, oh. which died having been slapped to death. Oh, <laughs> because I thought I was patting Maybe it and I wasn't. you felt confident enough to become a father at all. <laughs> <laughs> the main game, though, which is the one that then got distilled onto the Game Boy version of it, because there was uh, a computer game, because it was such a phenomenal success that they released a video game. But of course, video game development takes so long that by the time the cartridge was released, Tamagotchi was already over as a fad and no one yeah. bought it. But anyway, the main game that they distilled into the video game was one where you had to predict whether the Tamagotchi was going to look left or right. I mean, I know there's only so many Oof. games you can do with three buttons and an LCD screen, but blimey, that's boring. There's better ones than that, surely. I mean, it just goes to show, though, doesn't it? Like, this comes up often when we talk about toys and games on this show. You think about Twister, you think about Snake, that we've talked about before. Sometimes these phenomenal fads that children like are really boring and repetitious and simple. Like, so simple. Like, insultingly simple. And I think sometimes people <laughs> overthink stuff for kids, don't they? It's like, literally, three buttons, look after it, is it going to look left or right? And that is enough to entertain the stupid forming brain of a child. <laughs> well, and they proved to be so popular with not only the target market of girls, but also boys, that in 1997, Bandai released the Digital Monster, which in turn spawned the whole Digimon franchise. Mm. And that was meant to be the Tamagotchi for boys. And it could fight other Digimon. It had it sort of like a, like, mm, you know, you could, I'm exposing myself here for not really knowing anything about science, but it has sort of like a metal strip. And if you touched it to another person's <laughs> metal strip, you could fight, you know, they could connect and fight one another. For a minute there, I thought she was trying to describe magnets. I thought even I can do better than that. <laughs> <laughs> and they stick together. <laughs> but apart from the fighting element, it basically involved many of these same repetitious tasks. I mean, that sounds quite fun, but could it play maths games? <laughs> <laughs> well, put it this way, one element of the gameplay included remembering to turn the light off when the creature went to sleep. But you know, the psychology of this, including the buzzing to tell you that it's hungry, which was criticised at the time by, like, academics who wanted to get a soundbite in the news, who said, like, this is making children feel the pangs mm. of death and neglect, and this is going to be very damaging for their psychology long term. You know, as if children aren't up to enough evil stuff anyway. Um, but all of that psychological anxiety that it forced children to feel really 
is the same now as just a push notification, isn't it? I mean, haven't we actually moved into a world where what Tamagotchi was doing is what all our devices do all the time? You're describing it like it's irritating, but that's the life we're in. I mean, constantly ping, ping, ping. So if nurtured successfully to adulthood, the Tamagotchi would evolve into one of seven creatures, depending on how attentively they had been raised. So again, it's like the, the guilt element never ends. It's like having a child. It's like, oh, look, yours turned out bad because you were neglectful. Like, here you go. You're cursed with your bad Tamagotchi now. <laughs> Yeah, here's your one that needs counselling. Well done. Presumably they <laughs> yeah, all exactly. die when the batteries run out. Like, even if you look after your Tamagotchi really, really well and it lasts for 12 human years, at some point the batteries are going to run out and then you're back to square one, aren't you? Well, no, they even died before that. I think they had a maximum lifespan of about 30 oh. days. So even if you really looked after them, eventually they died of old age. Wow, that is a sobering lesson, isn't it? Curiously, though, there is a psychological phenomenon called the Tamagotchi effect, but it's not about that guilt or that, that sensation of being pinged by something, but rather it's about the development of emotional attachment to machines or robots or software. And I certainly didn't feel as though I was terribly bonded to my Tamagotchi. Perhaps it's because it didn't last very long. Uh, and died such a swift and horrible death <laughs> at my hand. But there are now reports of people falling in love with their Alexa or feeling connections to their Siri or whatever digital assistant they use. And I think that that is a, a sort of unexpected, though perhaps wholly predictable side of giving kids a little cute creature that they could take around with them and look oh, after. That's shocking. I'd never thought how I'd feel if my Alexa died. I think <laughs> yeah. I would feel quite bereft. Well, it's funny, Arian, that you mentioned the idea of kids becoming, you know, emotionally attached to their Tamagotchis as being a concern because the actual moral panic I found was kind of the opposite thing. And it's so funny. And as you were saying, Ollie, kind of about <laughs> academics getting their soundbite in the news. Mm. But in 1997, at the height of the Tamagotchi craze, David Behrens wrote in Newsday, as a result of Tamagotchi, Children will no longer treasure companionship with their pets because even if their pet dies, it can be brought back to life by changing the battery. The lack of such moral responsibility will cultivate a negative psychology which eventually will do harm to society. Hilarious in the world of Facebook, isn't it? I mean, it's just such, a, yeah. such an insignificant development in terms of the way we interact with technology, isn't it? A key ring. Tomorrow. I lost friends whose interpretations of humanity's origins were thrown into serious doubt. Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network.